Sif Pop Podcast is recorded in front of a live internet audience. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that also needed an ice bath after just seeing the movie. It's Sif Pop. Welcome to Sif Pop, streaming live on Mixler every Friday afternoon or available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. I'm Aaron Dicer <laughs> from YourMovieFriend.com. I'm joined by Andrew Ormsby from Flick Freaks. Ahoy. And each week we'll be joined by a pop culture guru to chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And today's guru, from Jesus Take the Real, it's Devon! What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Jesus here, and I was definitely craving an ice bath and a lot of vodka after this movie. (laughs) Yeah, there's plenty of that in there as well. Uh, Man, it's good to have you back. It is good to be back. Like I said, I was like, episode 100, this is an exciting episode to come back on, and I was here last time, uh, I was here when we talked John Wick 2, so... It'll be a nice little uh, stylistic violence yeah. bookends for oh, you. Yeah. yeah, you mentioned episode 100. This is episode 100 of Civ Pop. It's, it's weird because technically it's like 180 something, you know, yeah. if you actually go by the number of episodes mm. in the feed. But, you know, the way we label them, this is the Big Daddy. This is the, the century mark for Civ Pop. Yeah. Did you ever think it would happen? Yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I believed in you, Aaron. Oh, thanks, man. I knew you could do it. I appreciate it. Uh, we're going to have a blast today. We're going to talk Atomic Blonde, uh, the new Charlize Theron movie uh, that's out. Uh, we're also going to talk about her best ever movies. Uh, we'll, of course, do Buried Treasure at the end. We've got um, Sift Quest Sift Quest going on there. And uh, and also, if you want to hear uh, Devon's Sift Shame, by the way, the movies that he is ashamed or might be ashamed that he hasn't seen, uh, make sure you support and get the patron pre-show. Uh, but first, let's well, do some Do We Care. Every single week I scour the internet to find out what is going on in the entertainment world, and I pick some topics for us to decide whether or not we care about them or not. Only two this week, because number two is the big one. But number one, Mahershala Ali is the front runner for the star of season three of True Detective. So, wait, front runner or no, already he, decided? Yeah, I, I confirmed. I thought, uh, yeah, the, the, front, the front runner uh, announcement was like a. I heard that announcement like two weeks ago, but no, he's he's confirmed now. I think it was a collider I was reading yesterday, uh, but season three is still not even confirmed yet. I guess, wow. I guess it's the, you can't the, confirm an actor for a show that's not even confirmed Oh, yet. so you're saying they're not even sure that they're doing another Se- season of True Detective, but yeah. if they do, Dude, he will be the star. The okay, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. I think I understand that. Uh, yeah. Whatever the case, man, season two ruined any good good graces I had for the show, so yeah. they'll have to prove it to me again. I'll have to hear some, some mumblings in the pop culture you know, universe for me to check it out. Now, is season two as bad as everybody says, or is it just compared to have season one? Have you not seen one? it? I've seen it. Oh, okay. But I'm I'm trying to look from an outside looking in perspective or an inside looking out looking in perspective <laughs> because yeah, it's not as good as season one, but is it as bad as everybody says it is? Because I think people are trashing it way more. I thought that Vince Vaughn was really good. So until yet, you said that, I didn't remember he was in it. Yeah, uh, it's because nobody can understand a word Colin Farrell says in that entire series. Yeah, I <laughs> I don't. I, I I did not enjoy watching a bit of of season two. I, I guess there was there was one scene I remember. There was a a bus shootout. Maybe there was a shootout a bus. 
that's the big climax of the season. Yeah, see, I, I haven't watched season two yet either. I've only watched season one. I just Man, I did not enjoy it at all. Season good. one is really good though. Yeah. And so I get what you're saying, but I just did not enjoy season two at all. Okay. I just like I like how the I mean, if the show does continue to go, I like how it's formatted with this like switching the lead actors for sure. season stuff, like kind of like a you know, American horror story kind of deal the way yeah. they yeah. do it. And I the think it's cool. show. Yeah. I think it's kinda cool. So I'm excited. Fargo's been the best at that though. Fargo has been the best anthology show on television, in my opinion. It kind of has a linear... I haven't seen this newest season. I haven't seen a single episode yet. Yeah. But, like, season one and season two are connected. Not really. Just barely by the thinnest of threads. Yeah. In case people haven't seen it, I won't spoil it, but... Yeah. I think that... Okay, anywho. But we haven't talked about Mahershala Ali at all. I think he'd be great. Well, of course. Oh, man. I'll take him in literally anything. Like, <laughs> right? It does like, not yeah. matter when, what he's cast in. When I'll has say he yes. been bad? Yeah. But I mean, of course, I, I also really like Colin Farrell. And, I love you know, Colin Farrell. I do like Vince Vaughn. And yet, yeah. you know, they managed to not put together a good season of True Detective. So I think a lot of it has to do with the case. A lot of it has to do with the writing. So we'll see where it goes. Okay. Um, so that's going to wrap it up for that one. But here is the big thing that we are going to be discussing. Uh, San Diego Comic-Con has just wrapped up. Yeah. There are three things that I know you don't see anything Coming out of Comic-Con, no trailers or anything. Well, I see things, I see what has come out of Comic-Con. I yeah. just don't watch any of the video stuff. You know, I don't yeah. watch any of the mm-hmm. trailers or sneak peeks or those kind of things. But you I know have, what's going on. Right, yeah. yeah. I know there yeah. was a Ready Player One trailer that came out. That's the best thing to come out of Comic-Con. Was and, it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ernest, I, I, you know I read uh, Ernest Klein's book, uh, Off the Recommendation, from uh, our good friends over at Horrible Movie Podcast. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite books now. I've read it multiple times now. Normally, I'll, I'll read one book and just move it aside, yeah. unless it's Dark Tower. But <laughs> also, now Ready Player One, in that trailer, I don't know how they did it. I don't know how they did it. Okay. And that's all I'm going to say. Well, you've got me intrigued. Uh, another cool thing was a movie called Bright. Okay. Uh, the Mac, yeah, Max Landis wrote it. Wrote yeah. the script for it, and it's... Uh, David Ayer is directing. Yeah. Ooh, I like David Ayer, Netflix original film starring Will Smith. So it'll come out on Netflix? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Will Smith and Joel Edgerton. And, Man, uh, I, like, I like all the pieces. It is it's not interesting. what you think it's, it is. It looks, well, that's it looks fine. interesting. I just like the pieces. And <laughs> yeah. see, that's what I want to know. That's what I want to know before going to... I just want to know the pieces. I don't mm-hmm. want to know anything about no the synopsis. story or any... I just want to know, you know... I just need to know who's acting in it, who's directing it, maybe the genre... But yeah. you know, other than that, I'm I love going in blind. So. This one's looking like gritty fairy tale. Yeah, well, nice <laughs> for the genre. If you could put a genre on That's this his, one, yeah, it's genreless. Technically, really. all fairy tales are are gritty. I mean, the invention of fairy tales was mm-hmm. a very you know yeah. dark thing. So thanks, Grimm's uh, <laughs> and uh, Aesop. Uh, final thing: uh, two trailers for uh, shows that came out. We had a Westworld. Season two. Oh, okay. And uh, Stranger Things season mm-hmm. two. Both shows I'm already in on, so yeah, I don't necessarily exactly. even need a trailer to know but that I'm going to watch them. Stranger Things was the big one because it comes out uh, a couple days before Halloween. Yeah, uh, I think the 27th. I think. Yeah, 27th. And uh, perfect timing. Yeah, I cannot wait. Like three months, three months to wait. See, because I'm like in, I'm in the middle of you two because like I don't watch a bunch of trailers, but I do watch some. You know, if I, yeah. you know, and it is Comic Con, so I was like, okay, I'll watch a little bit more than I usually do. But that Stranger Things trailer, 
what gave about, me goosebumps. Like, oh, it's nice. good. Good. Yeah. Oh. What, what about some of the like the big stuff, like the Marvel stuff or Pixar stuff? Thor Ragnarok. Thor. Uh, there's been a couple trailers. Or Justice the, League, even. Was there anything with yeah. Justice League? Uh, another trailer for that, and uh, looks it looks good. It looks it looks good. It looks good. But then again, the trailer's <laughs> not quite as sold as <laughs> no, no, I mean, it looks thing. good, but here's not thing. good. The I will say this, and hopefully this isn't spoilers for you. I think that DC is learning from their mistakes and that one of the big missing elements to their movies was humor. Mm-hmm. And it looks like they're addressing it, especially in these trailers. Like I said before, it looks good, but BVS looked good. Yeah. From the trailers. Yeah. I mean, they're so, commercials. They're meant to look good. They're, they're marketing material. Exactly. Yeah. But man, Thor. Thor. That Thor. trailer was... Oh. <laughs> that movie good, was like, good? Like, really oh, good? Oh, it... I said this, and I said this has the potential to, and I wasn't being hyperbolic. This mm. has the potential to be the best Marvel movie. Whoa! I think it it it, it gave us some stuff that they people must have put still, together a really nice trailer. Like it 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 really uh, it gave us things that we didn't know. But at the same time, like this is still a trailer that has not like spoiled the movie for yeah. you. Like I still couldn't tell. Like I mean, I it, I know the gist. Like I'll this, refrain it from does what a trailer does I'll or re- should do. Yeah, I'll refrain from going into how it still spoils the movie, whether it quote unquote spoils the movie mm. or not. But I get what you're saying that yeah. it doesn't spoil <laughs> plot points or those kind it of lo- things. It looks fun. It looks yeah. fun. Uh, they even announced the runtime for Thor Ragnarok, and it's the second short. Marvel movie, which is interesting. Yeah. Oh, nice. So it's uh, it's gonna be real lean and mean. I'm I'm excited for it. It looks like a blast. Do you know the director Taika Waititi? No. Have, did what you else ever see uh, What We Do in the what Shadows? In the that shadows. vampire Mm-mm. movie. No. Um, uh, and he did a uh, very Flight of the Concords esque. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Like quirky comedic kind yeah. of thing. Okay. And then uh, he did. Um, Actually, he works with Fly of the Concourse. He did a couple episodes of the show. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, he's real good friends with Jermaine Clement. But yeah. um, and he did uh, last year. He did um. Hunt for the Wilder People. Yeah, oh, hunt, okay. Yeah, yeah I yeah. did see Hunt for the Wilder People. Mm-hmm. So I forgot he did that. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. Okay. Super well, talented guy. And now he's doing the big Marvel movie. Yep, mm-hmm. big Marvel so, movie. That tends to be the way it goes these days. You know, yeah. you say, you know they, they get directors that they feel like are new enough that they can control. You know, mm-hmm. that don't have the, you know, like the, the, the umph to be able to stand up to them. Which like I, Edgar I, Wright. Yeah. That, yeah, that's why it didn't work. Yeah. Well, that's, but that's a great point. You know, it, it didn't necessarily work with Edgar Wright. So... You could also say the same with uh, the Star Wars, you know, kerfuffle was also with uh, the directors was one of those things where, you know, oh, they... with um, with uh, the solo movie. Yeah. 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 It's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Because uh, film uh, Lord Miller, they weren't going to be bullied around. Right. Not, not yeah, bullied, exactly. They had se, some but, clout. You know, yeah. Lord and Miller have some clout. So it makes sense when you're shepherding these big expanded universes like Star Wars or Marvel. Did you bring somebody in who doesn't have the clout to, you know, stand up to you? Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, somebody has to make the calls on that stuff. And but, in these cases, it's those shepherds, mm-hmm. you know. But on the positive side of it, too, think about what they're doing for these smaller, you know, up and coming directors, you know. And these are, you know, some people haven't seen any Taika Waititi movies because they're so right. small, these small indie movies. And right. a- after this, people are going to be like... I'm going to watch anything that guy does. Absolutely. Like, so, I mean, you got to think about what they're doing for these small directors as well. Scott Derrickson is somebody I'm like, okay, I'm interested to see what he's going to do next after Doctor Strange, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so, I, I, there's a good and a bad side to it. No, another, absolutely. Another bad side is whenever you uh, put somebody down, like, not put somebody down, but, like, whenever you hinder somebody like that, you're dampening any originality that could come to the movies, and that's what people are starting to complain about with the Marvel movies is how they seem so 
copy paste style wise from each one. I the th- only one different was Guardians of the Galaxy, but now all of these movies are starting to look, look like Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, I don't know that I buy that completely. I get what you're saying. Um, I think there's a balance somewhere, right? Because again, somebody has to shepherd the material, right? Somebody has to be the overall creative vision force. When you bring in like a unique director who has their own ideas, you can let them operate and start to make some of those decisions, but you have to find the balance of, well, when are they changing? Like, for instance, the Star Wars thing. If they really were turning that into, you know, Han Solo as Ace Ventura, yeah. somebody has to step in and go, no, 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 look, there's an overall tone to this that we have to, you know, keep handing. So there is a balance there somewhere between like the, the shepherding and the freedom to create your own thing. So yeah. it's it's tricky. <clears throat> it can be really tricky, I think. So I don't know, but it'll be it. You know, if they've got Thor down, it looks like you know maybe they've got a good one. And I've heard you know uh, <clears throat> Ryan Johnson didn't give any problems with you know episode eight or nine. So yeah. you know it'll be interesting to see as these kind of things continue to grow. Kind of what happens. And then there was a leaked Infinity War Avengers trailer, which I did not see. A leaked trailer? What do you mean? Somebody recorded it. Oh, it was at Comic Con. I yeah. think it yeah. leaked at Comic Con, like in a back oh, room no, somewhere. No, no, Somebody no, no. was like, "Hey, no, they have the trailer the stuff at Com- They had the trailer at Comic Con. <laughs> okay, and then people were re- recording it and then posted it online. But I just assumed that would happen every time. At Comic Con, like I assumed, if you're releasing oh, those, but they're, how... they're getting they're getting better at policing it though, because yeah. they, I hear that Light in bands. certain ones they like, you know, okay, turn your phones off, like you know, new policies and whatnot. So yeah. I mean, they're they're getting better at catching it, but I mean, it's gonna happen. Every I just year. assumed if you were releasing a trailer at Comic Con, you would release it the same day online. Like no. I just see not the same day because like that's what you know. Then what are you? gaining from you know comic-con you know they would they want being to make in the it, room i guess being in the room but they no. want to make it a little special and like sure. now studios are doing it like a few days afterwards they're just like you know let them have their thing for a few days and then then everybody else can have it too yeah they're really good at policing because the whenever godzilla came out at hall h back in 2012 the they showed the trailer there and it was a year and a half before it was actually released online and nobody say, recorded wow. There was also, I mean, things, secrets can still be kept. You know, the secret of uh, M. Night's movie, Split, had been, I mean, they showed that movie to a group of people. Oh, yeah. A year and a half before it came out or something, something like that. Yeah, I don't know how they pulled that off. Like, and, I mean, and that, that stayed locked until the movie came out. I was, well, you've had to sign waivers before. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, yeah but, you know, but signing a, a waiver and then, NDAs, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and all it takes is somebody thinking, well, you know, I can tell my parents you know or i can and then the parents are like well i can tell my best friend and the best you know what it just takes yeah. that you know that kind of thing happening but did you see uh uh was there a trailer for coco the new pixar movie or anything was that made any- there, there's been a lot of trailers for coco okay and normally with a uh, pixar and stuff uh, d23 just happened the that's week true before. d20 d23 kind of drops all the star wars and pixar yeah. you know stuff so And that's going to wrap it up for Comic-Con, as well as Do We Care? All right, let's move on to our review of Atomic Blonde. I chose this life. And someday, it's going to get me killed. But not.
not today. Atomic Blonde is about Agent Lorraine Broughton, who combines spycraft, sensuality, and savagery, willing to deploy any of her skills to stay alive on an impossible mission. Sent alone into Berlin to retrieve a priceless dossier from within the destabilized city, she partners with embedded station chief David Percival to navigate her way through a deadly game of spies. Nice nice use of the word dossier. Well, thank you. That was nice. nice Spelled dossier. It's spelled dossier, but it's pronounced <laughs> dossier. Speaking of spelling and pronouncing, Charlize Theron uh, stars uh, in this, and David Percival, of course, played by James McAvoy. So some good talent here, but let's go first with what are our general thoughts about Atomic Blonde? Did you like it? Love it? It was just okay. Dislike it? Hate it? Aaron, you go first. Uh, I'll go first, sure. I am on probably the mid to lower end of liked it. So I did like it, but you know, just kind of crossing over that from it was just okay to liked it what about you devon i'm sitting in about the same spot i mean i i liked it i almost really liked it but i i liked it yeah so I'm, I'm more on the upper end of liked it i'll say i guess okay andrew i'm with you on the lower end of liked it wow yeah. like we all feel the same way i was hoping somebody like really loved this movie and could just like you know go all out for it no there's but... a lot of problems with it yeah i think that's true let's talk about the good stuff first though what are yes. some of the things that you really enjoyed about it style yeah. The style of this film mm-hmm. is so great. It mixes the fight choreography as something you'd see in like a modern John Wick or even Jason Bourne. We were talking, except less less shaky cam. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or I got uh, some Equalizer vibes too, like on her kind of yeah. using what's Gun around Fu. her and and whatnot. And uh, yeah, the action in this movie is just phenomenal. It's so fun to watch. I mean, almost up there with I would say almost on par with the raid. Like it's up there. It's really good. Let's separate the two things. Let's separate style from the fight scenes because I think there are two really yes. good things to yeah. say about this movie yes. that are separate. Yeah, like those. I was saying, it has the modern style of that kind of combat, but it mixes it in with that '80s. Euro punk, you wouldn't normally think of mixing those two, but they meld together so well. Yeah, it was interesting with this this Cold War setting. I liked it being yeah. around this like significant event, but then they even said at the beginning they're like, "That's not, not what this movie is about." And, and it's, but it's but, but it's there and it's ingrained in like the setting. Like so, like you know, mixing it in with you know the late eighties and stuff. I mean, because the soundtrack of this thing is oh, the man, movie I is love so. With the soundtrack so aware of the time it exists in mm-hmm. in such a good way the music the the vehicles the clothes like it's just it's very and not in a um not in like a condescending way where it's like just using that kind of nostalgia but where it's actually building a like a stylistic universe with that stuff i i thought it was gorgeous i thought it really you know set up a lot of the the beauty of the movie really well yeah. As far as the style goes. I think this movie is going to be defined by its soundtrack, though. I'm with Devon, just by how good it was. And the simple fact that it mixed in, like, German remakes and, you know, versions of songs. Some of those, like the 99 Red Balloons is obviously originally German, but a lot of those other songs were English songs they redubbed by other artists in Yeah, they German. did the foreign language versions of, yeah. you know, a lot of that, that stuff, which I thought was really interesting, too. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. We can talk about the fight. I wasn't yeah. trying to keep us oh, from no. talking about and, the fight choreography. And not only that, it's though, a big part. Like, and not only just the soundtrack itself, the way they integrate the soundtrack as well a lot of the times. Like, you know, whether it's, you know, playing in somebody's headphones or, you know, it's in uh, in the car radio during a, a chase scene or something. I like the way they integrated the soundtrack as well. Uh, I think they did it pretty smoothly. 
Yeah, and it sounded so great, mm-hmm. like just so good, and just it just fit. Like I mean, it really fit, and it um, you know the look of the film as well with these you know you have the the coldness of Berlin, but then you also have these like you know neon colors and stuff, and it just it just fit. Like so, the style of it is fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to move on then? Talk about the action a little. I bit? I mean, that's what because th- you're right. People have been comparing it to John Wick, which I think is actually the worst comparison. I can see some of the like there's some headshots and some you know violence like. In, in John Wick, but John Wick is relentless. This movie isn't as relentless. No, and I think the I think and this is where you you know having not seen the trailers you know kind of gives a different opinion because like the marketing kind of sells it as a more nonstop action romp, oh. and yeah. you know they don't sell it on you know all the other spy stuff going on because this is inherently a spy movie. You it know? Is. John Wick is very much an assassin movie, very much about more the guns and stuff. Yeah, this one's about spy and espionage and the hand to hand stuff. So. I think it's it's hard to compare to really any of them. I mean, you you got Shades of Bourne, you got Shades of Bond in there, but I think inherently it does stand on its own feet of, you know, Charlize Theron, Lorraine being her own, you know, B.A. character. I will say this about the action. I've always championed action heroes who can get hurt, mm-hmm. and she gives just as much as she gets yeah. in this movie. Yeah. Uh, I won't spoil it, but there's a one-shot well, it's it's For definitely like played 16, as one shot. Yeah, sixteen minutes. There's some there's some big camera whips that I assumed were were taken. Sure, cuts, but, but yeah, you can mm-hmm. say the same thing about Birdman. I mean, yeah, sure. you can say that about a lot of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you know, it's it's designed to look like one shot. Absolutely, like kind of like a like the Creed fight scenes and like things like that. But yeah, that stairwell scene. Yeah, just see the movie for that alone. Almost like that yeah. stairwell scene is quite impressive. All the action scenes are really impressive. Mm-hmm. There think, aren't as many of them as I you know I think a lot of people were expecting. Yeah. But but the one when it happens, uh, I was really impressed. Yeah, I mean, and and it's great because I mean you know uh, this one was from David Leet. Uh, Leach, I don't know how to say his name, uh, but you know there were two of them on John Wick, and then they kind of split up. He came and did this, and then uh, Stahelski ended up doing uh, John Wick too. But both of them were had stuntman background. They were both stunt chore- coordinators and choreographers and stuntmen themselves before they started directing movies. So I mean, you really see like they have a good understanding of it. Everything's in camera. You know, you're not seeing these crazy, crazy quick cuts and shaky cam because they. They've been there. They this is what they do. Oh yeah, I was really impressed with the camera work. That it was it wasn't it was handheld, so there's a little bit of shakiness. Yeah. But it was very purposely not shaky camera. Very it wasn't minimal. it wasn't trying to hide anything by, you know, having the handheld uh view. It really lets you in on the choreography and what was going on, which I loved. More action needs to do that. And you're right, that does come from that stunt coordinating background. Uh, you can really see that on the screen. I think one thing we mentioned even before we started was how much like James Bond she is, and you mentioned Bond a little bit too. And I think a lot of that has to do with she is she's almost Charlize in this movie is almost playing James Bond in some ways. She's very suave, you know, sexual. She, she's, yeah, she falls into bed with you know the first contact she meets. <laughs> yeah. She's always downing a you know vodka. You know, she has her drink of choice like Bond does. There's yeah. some really interesting Bond connections to kind of what's going on in the spy game too. That's but, really where I was going from. The oversexualization and the alcohol is not something you'd see in John Wick or right. Jason Bourne. That's straight up Bond. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. But in in what I also like, like I said, how it kind of can it can stand on its own feet, and it, it's interesting whenever people were uh, having the conversations about like, oh, what if we had a female Bond? But then people's counter arguments are, why don't we just have a female original character themselves? Right. And boom, here we go. Right. We're giving 
Lorraine, and that's essentially what we're given. We get enough Bond flavor to be kind of satisfied to be like, oh, like if there was a female Bond, this would be it. But at the same time, she very much is her own person, I believe. I, I totally agree. It's also interesting. I'm going to tread lightly here too because I, I you know, I don't, I want to be careful in saying this. But I also believe they made a purposeful choice almost to shoot her, like film her, like a man action star as opposed to a female action star. Some of those opening scenes with her taking the ice bath, those kind of things, they feel very, you know, like it it would, it it felt like exactly how you would shoot it if it were, you know, Tom Hardy or, you know, somebody like that with the coming up out of the ice. And they weren't worried about, um, I guess I'll just say it this way. They weren't worried about like hiding certain parts of her body or, you know, things like that. It was, mm-hmm. it was really interesting the way they decided to film her in this movie almost felt like a male action yeah, star they, in some they ways. They didn't like, I mean, they, they sexualized, not, cause they didn't sexualize exactly. her. Exactly. They it didn't they, feel they played, sexualized. They, they empowered her sexuality right. at times, but they didn't, you know, they didn't, um, expose it. For, other than, the, other than the sex scene which is in this movie. Mm-hmm. In those other scenes where she is in various states of undress, it didn't feel sexualized to me. It felt like it was, here's this person, this raw, vulnerable mm-hmm. person, which is what you feel a lot of times, you know, uh, with the male action stars. So. And it's like, and I also love how, like, you know, she's fighting these, like, you know, when she's fighting people and these henchmen, like, there weren't any of those times where they're like, oh, like, making sex jokes and misogynistic. Right, yeah, yeah, They're exactly. just fighting. They're fighting her as if she is a man. Like, yeah. You know, they didn't shy away from like they didn't even make any like you know lame. Oh, I can't hit a woman jokes. I don't right. think that I don't no, think there yeah. was one hit a woman joke in this movie, which yeah. I really appreciate. I think yeah, I've got mad respect for that. Like, like they, I you really know, appreciate. Yeah, that. I thought that was kind of cool the way they did that. And her performance is astounding. Charlize like, Theron is where she where she been for action movies this whole time. Well, you've got Mad Max, right? Like, which yeah. was kind of her, you know. Going into that role, even though bit. it's not a good movie, she uh, is very convincing as an action star and uh, Anne Flux. Like, yeah, it's, that's it's true. Not, it's not a oh, great movie. Yeah. True. It's not a great movie, but I mean, I she shows her she shows her <laughs> uh, her action chops in that one big time, though. So, uh, yeah, no, I'd love to see Charlize Theron, but she can do anything, though. That's why she does everything that she can. Uh, before we get off the action scenes, the one influence that I wanted to bring up that I haven't heard anybody else talk about, uh, but me that I think is very prominent here. And I'll say it, and it'll seem weird, and then I'll then I'll explain I think it. We're th- we might be thinking the same thing. Jackie Chan. There's some know. real interesting stuff you know? that she does with her environment. Yeah. And there's also an interesting sense of humor to a lot of these action scenes as well. I don't know about I'm the gonna, audience you watched talk, it with. I'm going to talk about that, but yeah. The audience we watched it with was dying at some of this like violence in this action. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is kind of that same like hard-to-kill kind of sense of humor that you'll see in a lot of the Jackie Chan stuff as well. So I, I, I saw a little bit of a tie there. The yeah. biggest Jackie Chan like influence I saw was uh, the use of her wardrobe while she is fighting. Yeah, sure. The, because Jackie Chan, he was always you know taking people's guns with his shirts and like you know hanging from stuff like or a garden way, hose way, or you know just hose, environmental. But, you know, especially action. her wardrobe, you know her shoes, <laughs> even in this <laughs> yeah. movie playing yeah, exactly. a big role. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? You're going to talk about the humor, I think, a little bit more. Yeah, but that's in cons. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's going right. to go in cons for me, okay. too. Um, you know, and I just want to give a big shout to James McAvoy, because, I mean, the, I, I love him. I always have loved James McAvoy. I mean, he steals a good portion of this film for me, honestly. Like, he's I really thought, good. I thought he was an interesting... I think, honestly, he's the most... We get the most depth out of his character, out of any of the characters, even more than Charlize Theron's character for me. That's a, I, I think, don't think that I think that's fair. And I think he he ended up being one of the more interesting people in this movie other than, you know, watching Charlize herself. 
But I mean, he can just the he. You know, it's a complete switch up from what we've seen this year from him. But I mean, mm-hmm. you know, James McAvoy has so many different, you know, shades. You know, he's he a can character do. actor at his yeah, heart. And yeah. I think it, I think it was a fun role for him to play as well. But it was also something very different. I also like John Goodman in this. I thought he was he was great. <laughs> yeah, his typical awesome Goodman self. No, oh, yeah, I think we could use more Goodman as usual. But I think that's always the case with Goodman. Exactly. Yeah. So tell me how the humor was a negative because I didn't really see the humor as a negative part. I actually enjoyed kind of how funny it was. Well, here's what it did for me. The film tonally shifts about two thirds of the way through. Okay. I think the beginning of this film has a lot of lightheartedness mixed in with the action, yes. like we were talking about. Yeah. And then the film, it is for the it's for the better of the film, but the film shifts and then all that humor disperses about a third or the final third of this movie. Hmm, I didn't now, feel that. Because the last part of this movie, I didn't think was all that good, and mm. uh, it's. Be- I think it might be because the humor disappears. Okay. Now films have tonal shifts all the time. Sure. I understand that, but I think it's to this one's detriment that it actually happens. All right, maybe we can talk about it in spoilers because I, I remember a lot of humor even towards the. In fact, the the very last line of the movie is one of the biggest punchlines. That yeah, that's a. I, I think the humor works in general for me. I'm kind of the opposite. Like I thought the the first act is a little uh, a little messy, a little scatterbrained, and then I think it starts hmm. once it we really get to dive into the plot itself, which that's going to be a negative later. Yeah, but, that's, uh, that's but definitely one for me. Uh, in the second act, it really starts to tighten up a little bit together, and I think it finishes off really strong in the third act as well. But I think the first act for me is a little scatterbrained. The humor, for the most part, works. Like I didn't, you know, need more of it, but I, I guess I could use a little less because sometimes it didn't always hit. So I'm I'm of two minds here. One, I'm I agree with Andrew. I actually think the end of this movie doesn't work very well, but I have different reasons for that. I, I have an issue with the end. Just well, which ending? Um, This movie has too many plot twists. Yes, and they're all piled on each other right at the end. Like it it feels like they they wanted to save their their plot movement all for that last ten fifteen minutes. And yeah, and it and it was like for me, you can tell me some of that stuff sooner when it becomes more appropriate for the story and kind of spread that out a little bit. And Mm -hmm. I think the movie feels different that way. I think the I think the film wanted to distinguish itself so badly as a spy film that they're just like, all right, more convolution, more plot right. twist, more backstabbing, more this, like, and and it just became way too much. Like the plot is just like I I would just at one point I'm just like, what is going on? I was yeah. just like, can we get to another fight scene, please? <laughs> like, because because the dialogue for me is a little bit flat in this as well. I think uh, what I'm talking about with the humor is actually kind of mixed in with that because they try and I now I'm thinking about it, I think they try and replace humor with plot twists mm. because this movie kind of gives wild things a run for its money whenever it comes to plot twists but whenever <laughs> wild things does it it's tongue in cheek where I think this movie's trying to take it so seriously yeah. with all these it plot twists it very much is very but much. It's like the last 30 minutes of this movie, they're like, hey, why don't we just make it Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy and cram it into a yeah. half an hour thing? Yeah. And the movie hasn't done the story work to to pay that off. Like, it hasn't yeah. It hasn't done the, you know, um, it, it is such a MacGuffin movie. Like, we never really understand this, you know. Is the, the MacGuffin the dossier? Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Like, and it's just like, we never really get a full understanding of why that's so important, why it's so important to the individual characters. 
we have a broad view, but it just like yeah. I did, I just wasn't invested. I I understand the the importance of it, but I think because like it's a list of people. All it was was a list right. of people who spies for who, blah blah blah. And the reason you don't understand it, don't care about it, is because for me. I don't think, like I said, we didn't get enough depth from a lot of the characters. Right. Like, I mean, to be honest, like, as much as I love Charlene Theron's uh, performance and she's great in it, I couldn't tell you, you know, three things about her character other than, you know, she likes vodka. Like, <laughs> I, I don't I even couldn't remember really... <laughs> Exactly. Like, right. Yeah. I, I had yeah, to look it up. Like, every, like, there's a difference between. It's Lorraine, like, by the way. Lorraine. Her name, okay. Yeah. Her name's Lorraine. And it's like, it's a difference between, you know, whenever you talk about a James Bond film and you reference them as james bond or john wick you reference mm-hmm. them as john wick and half the time i've been just saying charlize's character because right she's as she does it's not what a she great needs to do. name it's it needed a little more punch yeah yeah it, yeah, it could have used some more punch but you know if you're not in intrigued into these characters and whatnot you don't really care for the plot twists and the backstabbing you know so i think that yeah. also kind of undermines the value of the plot itself yeah and because of that, because the other stuff isn't as interesting, then you're left with just the style, which is great, and just the action, which is great. And anytime one of those two things isn't really capturing your attention, there's nothing really for you to like think about or go deeper with or really mm-hmm. hold on to. Yeah. And, yeah, and that's my thing with it. Like the movie's cool and everything, but it's kind of just that. It's it's very right. it's cool. Like yeah. okay, it's cool. Aaron like, was was it you who made the the or the uh, the comparison to the raid with the action and the combat? Was that you? I don't. I, I, said I think that, that oh, was Devon, Devon actually. So um, yeah, it's like that, but that's not the majority of this movie. Exactly. Right. The so. raid can get away with it because that's all it's doing. Like the yeah. raid doesn't have character oh, the development. Not, it has stop. no. The the raid has no story. I mean, the story <laughs> in the raid is is very very minute, <laughs> but people love it because it's nonstop crazy amazing action and you yeah. just go in for that experience and, and that's where you know you can again make the john wick comparison though because john wick it's story it's very simple mm-hmm. but at the same time you cared about john exactly like, so much even you... though it's simple it's meaningful those are two different mm-hmm. things yeah you know? mm-hmm. and this one just wasn't meaningful and it's like a lot of people kind of complain about the overuse of music in this movie but it's like if the if the movie didn't have so much music i would not care about what was going on in between the action scenes yeah. right half as much as i did because i mean at least i was like well at least i got this sweet tune to listen to while i listened to this meaningless dialogue <laughs> yeah you know so i was like can we just say though and i, I think we've done a fairly good job of this because we really did praise this movie a lot at the beginning oh yeah this movie definitely has moments like there's there are, a lot to there like. are th- this is a movie you almost want to go back to because there are several moments where you're like i want to watch that again i want to see mm-hmm. that again the stairwell scene for me is the scene i keep coming back to like i gotta watch that again oh the yeah stairwell scene, or even the apartment scene like there's some really cool incredible stuff in the apartment literally scene. all of the action scenes like i can't think of any yeah. action scene where i'm just like i don't like this like even when you get james mcavoy getting to kick a little butt and mm-hmm. it's like okay cool i'm into this too and like i mean yeah i'll definitely revisit for the action alone oh there there's a scene with mcavoy and a knife mm-hmm. that is oh, like but I that's can't. the best humor in the movie that scene right there is the yeah. best humor in the movie yeah so yeah i think i think we've done a good job just kind of saying there's a lot to like here but unfortunately some of the big stuff just doesn't work and yeah. so it does bring the movie down quite a bit so now the question that always comes up with these movies and i was thinking about you know if we do get a sequel to this movie 
I think the sequel would be beneficial, though, because I think they could fix a lot of the issues that right. they did have. Because they have a very good base there. Like, exactly. They have a good skeleton for Do you this. Do Because I don't know what is being said at the end of this movie. I think I understand. <laughs> I mean, we'll talk about it in yeah. spoilers. Yeah, so for Okay, sure. so maybe more sequel talking spoilers. Yeah. yeah, maybe we'll do that. Well, there you go. I think that's probably a recommend from all three of us, even with its, you know, major flaws. That's, yeah. yeah. Check it out. <laughs> a half-hearted recommend, maybe. Yeah. I, I think it's it's fun. Like if you just want to, you want to see, so you want to see your kick butt. You want to see a spy movie. Yeah, it's it's yeah. gonna fill those holes, and it's better than you know other spy movies. Like I, I'm gonna rewatch this over Man from Uncle. You know, and I enjoyed Man from Uncle as well. But you know, if I had to pick between the two of those, oh, interesting. I'd definitely rewatch yeah. this one. I yeah. think I might go with Man. From I, I might go with Man from Uncle too. I, I enjoyed that more than most, I think. But yeah. um, but yeah, it's it's definitely and also and I guess we did say this as well. I mean, it's definitely a rated R spy movie too. You know, it oh, definitely yeah. takes full advantage of its R rating, both in the violence, the way that John Wick did. Also, we already talked about you know the sexuality and the nudity and that kind of stuff. So. It's definitely kind of almost old school in that and, way, and, it, and almost it wasn't excessive either. Like it, I think it was a very like the the sweet spot of you know the violence for this movie because they didn't oversaturate you <laughs> it's with true. it. True, yeah, I know it, it's a weird to think about. No, There's no, a sweet not, spot for violence. I thought but, you were gonna say it was the sweet spot for nudity. And I was, <laughs> that's what that's what I was laughing at. No, I mean I'll say that as well. I mean, yeah. Uh, let's go to the best ever challenge. Uh, we're doing Charlie's movies. Uh, we'll do our top three. We'll go from number three to number one. Don't forget, if you've got it ranked higher, feel free to trump it so we can wait till talk about it until it's at whoever's got it at the highest mark. I'm going to get trumped all over this thing. I know. It. I feel like I'm going to get trumped. Really? Yeah. I feel like I don't. I don't rank some movies as high as some other people do. Um, Andrew, why don't you kick us off? What's your number three Charlie's movie? Number three. I got Monster. Nice. Either of you guys? Nope. It's it's my number two, but we can go and just we can talk about it now still. But trump me, man. Uh, I mean, we Devon. It's, it's, this right is how there. it works, it's, man. It's like, you had it at number two. My two and three, three are very close. So I mean, <laughs> all right. Oh, well, I'm trumped. Aaron, what do you got? Uh, my number three is that thing you do. Okay. Which you know, you look back at that and you're like, that's Charlize, but it is. You know, that's her in that movie. Um, and I absolutely love that thing you do. Um, it's one of my my favorites. So yeah, I had to mention that one. So what's your number three? My number three uh, is a recent one that I talked on the show. Kubo. I will trump Kubo. Okay. That was one of my honorable mentions. I knew one of you guys. Oh yeah. I knew Kubo (laughs) was going to come up on this one, but uh, well, since we're going to trump that and so I can chime in about monster. Yeah. um, Yeah. Monster is just, that's really the one that like kind of put her on the map and, when you talk about physical transformations, I mean, because Charlize is one of the most gorgeous human beings on the planet. I don't yeah. even think she's from this planet, honestly. <laughs> yeah. But uh, and then in that movie, she is so unrecognizable and terrifying. But I mean, I mean, she like uh, she she's had a lot done to her teeth in her movies, I've realized, because like she like had to like, get teeth fixed after this movie. But like she like had them like intentionally like make her teeth bad for the for monster and stuff like I mean, she really dove in. It's a it's an intense movie. It's a, it's a hard Jenkins movie to movie watch. Who just did Wonder Woman? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I I think I think it's important that you know we notice the physical transformation she makes in that movie, but also that we we know that it's not just a physical transformation that she's making in that no. movie. Like the character work in that movie that she does is really good too. Yeah. Uh, and you know, she won the Oscar for that, right? Yeah, she won yeah. the Academy Award. Yeah. Well deserved. Like, it's, oh, yeah. it's oh, just yeah. a she great ran, performance. She ran away with the award that <laughs> yeah. year for that one. That was two thousand three. Two thousand three. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's also like where she kind of started with. You know, she's like I said, like she's so gorgeous and everything, but like because she's such a phenomenal actress, and that's kind of where she like was able to like go past. Like, you know, she's 
always going past like her beauty and attractiveness and the and the sexuality and it's like we're not worried about that like even though she was playing a prostitute in that movie right. we're still just like that's not what she's about you know and that's what you can really appreciate from her yeah so that's your number two yeah that was yeah. my number two all right andrew what's your number two Mad Max Fury Road. And that's my number two as well, so let's just go ahead and talk about it. Are you going to trump us? Hmm? Mad Max? <laughs> Mad Max is number one. Okay. So, yep. All right. Uh, so, yeah, go ahead and... Uh, I think we're back to your number one. If we're going are we, we're order, still back to just, your number one. It just got really confusing there for a second. Yeah, it did. But, okay. But go ahead with your number one. The Road. Oh, interesting. Oh. Talk about it a little bit. It's one of it's one of my favorite books, and uh, it's this movie... Is one of, if not the most depressing movie besides Schindler's List, like ever. Mm. It is so sad. It's so depressing. The characters don't even have names. Yeah. They're just referred to as man, boy, and a woman. <laughs> and wife. Obviously, uh, very similar to the characters wife. in Dunkirk. Yeah, for exactly. that matter. <laughs> we've talked about how. Yeah, that's that's not that's not a happy frolic either. Right. Um, we talked about. Um, how the, it's not based on performance, it's based on movie they were in. She's not in the road all that much. Right. It's really a Viggo Mortensen movie. But that's not how the best ever challenge works. That's not how this challenge no, works. That's it's right. just so depressing. Nothing good happens in this movie ever. <laughs> <laughs> There's not a single moment where you can go, ah, oh, happy. No, no, it is sad, and it just gets even more sad as the minutes progress. Mm-hmm. And you love that. Yeah. I'm nihilistic <laughs> like that. Or mas- is, masochistic, it, yeah. Masochistic. Is it, it is funny, right, that we have these movies that are like that, where there's nothing pleasurable about the experience of watching them, but we love them. Yeah. And that's, that's a really interesting thing. I think that's a really interesting part of human nature and human psychology is enjoying stories even when they're oppressive, you know, like that. Do you think it just makes you feel better about your own situation in <laughs> possibly, moments like that? Possibly like, could be. At least I'm not in the road. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, we can talk about my number one now, which is Kubo and the Two Strings, yeah, okay. uh, which you had at... I had number three. N- number three. Honorable mm-hmm. mention. And an honorable mention for you. Uh, that is my number one. I have gone back and watched this movie several times, actually. My kids love it, too, so we watch it together sometimes. It is so expertly put together. Mm-hmm. The way this story progresses is just really, really smart and really, really smart character wise. And I just, I, I love everything this movie's doing. I love the themes. Uh, I love the artistry of the paperwork and the, you know, the stop action stuff is just incredible. Um, I love the voice performances. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, there's so much I love about this movie. Now, yeah. you were on whenever we did the original review of this, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is that your first episode? That was my first episode of Seth Pop. Yeah, was Kubo. Uh, and I want you both to know. I went back and I rewatched the movie recently. I like it a lot more now for some oh, reason. Good, I, good. Do, I really do. Like because whenever we originally did it, I was like, yeah, it was okay. But I went back and I get it now. Yeah. So good. I'm glad to hear that, man. Yeah, I'm glad it, you enjoy it. It's a great one to revisit. It's like um, you know, I've put it on like in the background while I'm editing and writing some stuff, and it's just you know. Uh, we've gushed about it plenty, but yeah, it's it's great. The voice performances in it, and just it's such a marvel to look at. And I'm so glad it's on Netflix now, and so many more people have gotten to you know, yeah. experience this movie now, and it's kind of gaining a little bit more yeah. traction there. So it's like it's great. More people are finally seeing how good this movie was. I still think it should have won the best an- animated film at the Oscar. I think it got robbed still. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, it also has haunted me because you know how I make puns in you know my video reviews, and there I was trying for probably 
30 minutes to find a pun with the Ape My Apes review that that put Koba instead of Kubo, like Koba in the something, you know, the two something, and I just could not find it. I'm angry. All right, we'll continue. Koba, <laughs> love it. Um, it's just not there. I just couldn't find, you know, couldn't find the right pun. So, anyways, that happens. Go ahead. What's your number one? Number one. I mean, it's Mad Max Fury Road, and you know, like you said, with the best ever challenge. Like it, this isn't my favorite uh, Charlize performance, but she is fantastic in it, and. This movie with me is like, I didn't love it as much whenever it first came out as everybody else did. Like, I respected the heck out of it, but it's a movie that I went back and then, you know, I rewatched it and I'm just like, it's, you just, it's so, it's such a marvel to just yeah. like, and especially when you see the behind the scenes of it and how this thing got made and just like, you know, how grueling it was, how much work got put into it. I mean, and then Charlize herself, you know, steals the movie away. You know, people don't even really care about Mad Max in this movie. Everybody always talks about Furiosa. When we get oh, more yeah. Furiosa, <laughs> Furiosa's coming. Like, and that's what it was. And it's like, I, I I compare Mad Max Fury Road to like the San Antonio Spurs of movies that year. Because it's just like, it's it's so good. And Show even up, if do you the work. Don't, even if you don't like it, you respect the technique in it and mm-hmm. everything about it. And Mad Max is, I mean, it's... One of the best action movies of the past decade, the past two decades, well, almost won, I'd say. It won six Oscars. Yeah, like so. it's it's a it's a great movie. Like I remember, yeah. I didn't want to give it as much credit as it was getting before, but like now, you know, a couple years later, like it's it's so good. It's really good. Man, that was a great year for movies. Twenty fifteen. Oh, oh, yeah, it was a good year. That, that was, was a great a good year, year for movies, and we both had it at number two, right? I had yeah. it at number two, and you had it at number two. Yeah, phenomenal stuff there. I think you said pretty much everything that needs to be said about it. Um, exactly. Just so uniquely its own. Uh, so really cool. Which is interesting for a movie that takes place in a universe that's been visited a couple times before for, for it to be so uniquely its own. But Exactly. And I think that that was it because, you know, it is George Miller returning to his mm-hmm. franchise. So people didn't have the expectation of a movie. Besides what they saw in the trailers, they expected, you know, more along the lines of what we got of, like, not Thunderdome, obviously. They, right. they expected better than Thunderdome. But is a testament to directors that this can be done. I mean, yeah. the practical effects in this movie are outlandish. Yeah, it's pretty incredible stuff. Uh, you want to talk about honorable mentions? Yeah. I only have one other. Well, why don't you give yours, Andrew, and then we'll yeah. give ours. I don't care what anybody says. I like this movie. Snow White and the Huntsman. Okay, feel free. <laughs> yeah. The, the, first the, one, first one. the first one. The, the first one. The first one is definitely better than the second one. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, not a, what's what's the second one? Uh, like a I don't even Winter's remember. Winter's Tale or something. Yeah. Yeah. Winter's War. Yeah, I don't care what anybody says. I think that the first Snow White and the Husband's movie is actually fun and a good watch. Okay. She, oh, Charlize Theron is definitely the best part of that whole yeah, movie. Yeah, she's great. Mm-hmm. She steals that movie, but I think that it's charming. and. Uh, I think the first one's fun. It's fun. It's got decent effects yeah. for the time. I thought, it was, I thought it was an interesting take on on the story, you know, that we've seen a million bazillion times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, no, I, I enjoyed that one. Thank you, Devon. I wouldn't say I enjoyed it. Uh, there. But I, I will say it's better than the second one. I remember we'll seeing it in theaters. <laughs> the second one's a garbage fire. Yeah, me and my dad went and saw it in theaters. I remember he walked out and I stayed. <laughs> there you go. I, I stayed for the whole thing. My dad was not about it. What else you got, Devon? Um, so one that was turned on to me because I did a uh, Charlize Theron episode of Jesus Take the Real like a few months back, and um, my guests had picked Young Adult, and yep. that that'd be an honorable mention for that's me. I'd say that's one of her too. better performances. Like I'd say that's in my top three of her performances. Yep. Uh, very relatable character, especially for, you know, what I'm trying to do now. And I mean, really all of us, you know, something that we can all kind of relate to. And yeah, then, young, Ad- young Adult is an underrated film. 
I don't think it, I, I don't. I think it's underseen. Too. I remember. I yeah, I remember. I saw the cast and I was like, "How did I not know about this movie before?" I mean, mm-hmm. that's probably Patton Oswalt's best movie. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think it's worth a watch. And then uh, I got I got to throw a shout out to Hancock. Yeah, I still want a Hancock sequel. Yeah, I thought it was a really interesting premise that they did. It was a comic book movie, superhero movie, and it came out like in a weird time because it was like right after. X-Men Last Stand and Spider-Man 3, you know, it both bombed. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it came out in like 2008. So it was like a time when people were like, hey, let's take a break from superhero movies. We shouldn't really do these. And they tried doing something a little different. But it's like, I think now they should try and do another Hancock movie. I think that would, it would benefit from, you know, the time passing and where we are with comic book movies now. I know a lot of people really don't like Hancock, but I, I actually, I don't the opposite. Get why people I really don't. like it. I, I, it's the ending. But I really like the ending. See, that's the thing. I, I and I and I think I can understand the why third it annoys act does people. go to a weird place. But because, I like it because they I, unli- they unload the mythology right, on you like yeah, yeah. in like five minutes. Like yeah. here's what's going on. Then you're like, this is a lot. But I think it <laughs> but it makes sense, now. right? Like it's not, <laughs> it's not that it. Does, I mean, it makes sense though. Am I am I misremembering? It, it's no, not it confusing. Makes sense. Okay. No, no, no. It makes sense. It was okay. just like the whole movie we we're watching. You know, this character study of him and like him trying to change, and then all of a sudden, right. like, hey, this is their uh, Mayan yeah. gods or whatever right. they are. You know. And so, so the movie like, loses points for not being the movie that people wanted it to continue to be. It becomes mm-hmm. a different movie in some way, right? It I mean, does. Is that kind of it does. Okay. And it's like, but I'd like to see a sequel of yeah. you know, that the mythology. I think it's very interesting or a prequel. Who knows? Yeah. Whatever. I also had listed uh, a couple others that that. Um, that I could get made fun of uh, for. Mighty uh, Joe Young. Uh, no, I didn't have Mighty <laughs> Joe Young in there. Uh, I do have The Legend of Bagger Vance in there, uh, which I enjoy oh, yeah. more than most people. Speaking of Will Smith. Yeah. Speaking, Speaking of Will, Will Smith. Smith. Uh, Men of Honor is one I enjoy more than most people, and she was also in uh, Cider House Rules. There that you go. Nice. The chat mentioned The Italian Job. Yeah, so Italian Job. Oh, another, yeah. another decent one to, to mention, although the original is worth a watch. Yeah, there you go. The best of Charlie's. Before we head on to the rest of the episode, just a reminder, if you want to support what goes on here at Studio DNA Podcast Network, you can do that at Patreon, patreon.com slash Studio DNA. Some awesome stuff happening uh, for the month of August. Every dollar that comes in to the Podcast Network is going right back out to help fight human trafficking. Uh, We're working directly with a friend we have in Phnom Penh uh, who is directly investigating and fighting uh, these um, Westerners who come over to have sex with underage girls and uh, trying to put an end to that. So we're totally on board. We're hoping to raise $3,000 to help him do what he does over there. That would pay for what he does for about three months. It could also pay for somebody to help him for an entire year. So uh, know this, if you want to give to support that, but not continuing to give to Studio DNA at that level, just do it for the month of August. You know, up your pledge to, you know, $10 a month or $100 for the month or whatever. And then for September, just go ahead and bring it back down. That's kind of how it will work for what we're doing with this fundraising. So every dollar for the month of August that's given at Studio DNA uh, Patreon will go to fight human trafficking. So I wanted you to know about that. And thank you to all those who give. It starts at $3 a month. And you can find out all the info at patreon.com slash studio DNA. All right, on to the Sift Quest, fellas. Uh, we're going to go on a quest sent to us by the listeners of the podcast. Uh, if you have a question or need an argument settled or just have a cultural conundrum, uh, you can feel free to tweet me at Aaron Dicer or email us at feedback at sifpop.com. 
Today's Civ Quest was launched by Patrick via Twitter. Here's what he says. Is comedy in trouble as a standalone genre? There's been some good genre comedies, but what's the last great straight-up comedy? So I thought that was an interesting question because he's right. A lot of modern comedies are genre comedies. I even think most recently of The Big Sick, which just came out. That's a drama comedy. You know, that's not just a straight comedy. It's really funny, mm-hmm. but you wouldn't call it a straight up comedy. So what do you guys think? Both about the question and about, you know, maybe yeah, a choice. Uh, I, when I saw this question, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, you know, comedy has been my most frustrating genre for the past five years or so. I mean, because we really just don't get as many good comedies. And I had an interesting conversation with somebody on Reddit. Um, I wrote a review for The Little Hours uh, last week or so. And uh, that's um, it's a raunchy comedy. Aubrey Plaza, Allison Brie, uh, John C. Riley. They're in a convent about nuns or whatever. Anyway, so I, I posted my review, and then he was just like, "Because I said this movie had the potential to be more than just a slapstick raunchy comedy, it like could have been more." And he's like, "Well, that's not what it needed to be. This wasn't trying to reinvent the comedy genre. It was just a simple comedy." I'm like, "Well, see, there's the problem. Like people settle for comedies now." Well, I just say, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a fine comedy. Yeah, whatever. It, it, it made me laugh a little. It's like, but why? Like, you know, we had comedies that, you know, meant things, you know? Yeah. So it's like, it is, it's extremely frustrating for me. And it was hard to think of the last, like, genreless uh, comedy that I liked. Um, Cause, like, really, the, like, last, like, real good comedy I loved uh, the night before, but that's a, that's a holiday comedy. So it's like, right. That's whatever. So I'd say probably my last like favorite um, just straight up comedy. Uh, if you count 21, 22 Jump Street, if those count, is I think those pretty count. much just straight up comedies for the most part. Comedy. Action I comedy. I guess they might be action comedy. So but see, that's the thing. You could put an, you could make any comedy a subgenre. Yeah, like what with, is a straight up comedy? Like yeah, you know, it's hard. You can't even say Airplane is a is not a subgenre. No, because that's a parody. Yeah, it's a parody. So it's it it yeah, it's it real there is no straight up comedy. However, I, mean, I watch a lot of stand up comedy. That's straight up comedy. How, however, parody is a subgenre of comedy. I think he's talking more about genres that are not comedy that are combined with oh. comedy. Um, you know, the example I think he used later in, in some of his other tweets was there's something about Mary as a straight up comedy, you know, that since that. And I actually think that may be part of the problem. You mentioned mentioned raunch comms. Mm-hmm. I think straight up comedies have become so intertwined with raunchy comedy mm-hmm. that that that's almost become what comedy yeah. straight up comedy that's is now. Somebody said that in the Reddit conversation, too, though, like pretty much every regular comedy is a raunch comedy, you know, just for the cheap laughs. And it's mm-hmm. just like. What was the example you guys gave as the last great? I think I went back to last year, uh, and I have a couple examples that I, I think... And great may be too strong of a word. I, these are at least good. Um, one of them, I think, may be the last great straight comedy. But I mentioned Keanu uh, as a, a really good straight-up comedy. Action comedy. Um, well, sure. See, uh, that's, that's what I'm saying, though. You can tie you can, you can tie any comedy to another genre, though. You can, but I wouldn't call Keanu an action comedy. No, I would just call I'd, it I'd a comedy with some pretty, action moves. Yeah, I'd moments. say that one is pretty straight up comedy. Um, like, that's about as close as it gets. I didn't like that one though. The uh, I put Central Intelligence, which could be an, an action comedy, I guess. Um, and or, then we also said good. That was uh, another. <laughs> I think Central Intelligence was good. It wasn't great. Uh, and then this one, I do think may even go into that great comedy because I laughed so much during this movie. Uh, pop star 
Never Stop Stopping. Pop Star, I think, would fit in there. Yeah. Um, the one that surprised me last year was, um, I mean, this would almost be another holiday comedy or romantic comedy, but mm-hmm. uh, Why Him actually surprised me a lot. I actually yeah. really enjoyed Why Him a lot, and uh, I have Sausage Party right behind Why Him from last year. And, you know, Sausage Party, what I'd about say. What about Lego Batman? I mean, I know it's animated. Yeah. I mean, it isn't is that animated. kind of a straight-up comedy? I mean, yeah. for the most part. Because Lego Movie is my last great comedy. Yeah. And even Lego Movie, you know, I mean, this is the thing. I, I think sometimes we confuse, like, drama as having a good, you know, heart. or mess. That's not necessarily the same thing. Because Lego Movie has a great heart. Like, there's a real, uh, you know, beautiful message to it. But that doesn't mean it's not a comedy. Yeah. Right? Or straight-up comedy. So, I don't know. It's It's interesting. I think there's an interesting point to be made, for sure. And kind of what comedy is in in the modern world. And I think that people's taste in humor is cyclical. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, comedy keeps changing itself and going back to old styles of comedy just to keep itself fresh. Because you don't want to have, for movies like Airplane or Hot Shots, as great as they are, you don't want that to be the only style of comedy forever. Right. Just as you don't want... The Adam Sandler's movies in the in the nineties to be the only style of comedy. You got to keep changing it up just so you know comedy stays fresh. Yeah. yeah. Not only that, I think I think comedy is perhaps the most objective sub like genre in movies. I think like because everybody has a different sense of humor. You know, everybody finds mm-hmm. different things funny. You know, like you can have such broad conversations about people with comedy movies because like you don't know what their comedy is like. Like you know, you might find the you know, certain things super funny that other people just don't care for. So it's like, you know, it's super subjective. It's also the uh, one of the only genres that is that almost should be a part of every movie. <laughs> you know, like even the most yeah. tense movies need comic relief or, you know, a sense of you know humor to them. So it's interesting in that way as well. You I, hear I think that, it, Spielberg? You missed out on Schindler's <laughs> List for your great that's right. slaps. That's I was right. say, I was like, Dunkirk, need more jokes. <laughs> uh, there is comedy in Schindler's List. Uh, there, There is. There is comic relief in Schindler's Are List. Are you talking about the gun not working? The gun not working. Because that is there's, a horrifying scene. It, it is horrifying, <laughs> but but there is there is that sense of humor to it. I also think of Ray Fiennes when he's being taught what grace looks like, and he's he's telling the guy, I pardon you. You know, like he's practicing grace. Like, yeah. that's kind of funny uh and then of course you know five minutes later he shoots him outside the window because he doesn't really want to practice grace uh but yeah i think you know humor is important to most movies at least and uh, so it becomes interesting in that way Uh, i also wanted to throw a shout out to hail caesar which is one of my favorite comedies of the the last couple years so home brothers have a very unique style of comedy but it's comedy right yeah yeah Yeah. i'd say say above all they they do classify as comedy wasn't hail caesar yeah i liked it it's not their funniest movie i think burn after reading is still their funniest movie yeah uh, yeah i think they're comedy directors yeah uh, oh, yeah, in, in many sure. ways, for sure. So thank you for the question. Thanks for the SIFT quest, Patrick. We really appreciate it. If you'd like to launch us on a SIFT quest of your own, feel free to hit us up on Twitter. Uh, just search for my name, Aaron Dicer, or you can email us feedback at com. Excited to hear your buried treasure, guys. What's that one thing in the area of pop culture that you want to make sure people know about? I got a good one. Yeah? Should we save yours for the end? Sure. Why not? All right. Devon, why don't you kick us off? Yeah. Um, mine is a movie. Um, it, it's still in very limited release. It's a very tiny indie film um, from A24. Everybody knows A24, the indie darlings currently. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got to see a ghost story for a little bit of an early screening while I was out in L.A. a few weeks ago. And um, it, it's a really – this movie is so small. It's so artsy. Um, 
think if Terrence Malick directed a movie from the perspective of a ghost. Like, I really that's what this movie see, is. I really wanted to see this movie. Basically, uh, you are not selling me. <laughs> okay, basically, I just, I'm not a Malick fan. Okay. So, <laughs> basically, the premise of this movie: you have this couple, and the guy, the tragedy hits, he dies, mm-hmm. and he is a ghost, like literal in a sheet with holes in it. Nice. He's a ghost watching the aftermath of his death and watching his uh, his wife move on. And it's just this, it's this weird odyssey about, you know, the cycle of life and death. And it's just, it's really interesting. There's not a lot of dialogue. It's very visual uh, for the most part. There's some cool camera stuff in it, but it's just this tiny little indie film that, um, one, I appreciate as a film, but two, I just like that A24, like they released this movie. It's not out there to get awards. It's not out there to make money. It was because a director had a cool movie they want people to see. And I yeah. think that's, um, you know, refreshing because not a lot of I studios agree. do that. Like, I they, totally agree. They literally release this movie just because like, enjoy this movie. It's weird. It's cool. It's interesting. You should just check it yeah. out. And, it's Casey uh, Affleck, right? And it's Casey Affleck plays. Is well, now you're selling me. I love Casey Affleck. Oh, it's, yeah. it's Rooney, uh, Rooney Mara and Casey Affleck. Also are great. The yeah. So, and Casey Affleck is in a sheet about 75% of this movie. <laughs> Very cool. So yeah, so it's just an interesting little film. Like if you want to just see something a little interesting, uh, look it up. It'll be uh, hitting VOD like pretty soon because it's just doing like limited release right now. A ghost story. It's called a ghost story. That's literally that. Uh, I think I may have done this for Buried Treasure before, but I love it so much I'm going to do it again because it just came out on uh, Blu-ray. Hey. Uh, Colossal. I have to talk about Colossal. <laughs> I still feel like not enough people have seen this movie. Um, I love this performance by Anne Hathaway. I think the concept is so clever and interesting. Uh, it is If you like quirky sci-fi with a real human element, uh, it's definitely something you might enjoy. So I wanted to throw a shout out there as well. It's an interesting premise. Uh I, I didn't. It was a little uneven for me, but I. Mm-hmm. It, it was a very interesting premise. It's I totally it. even. It's about the most even movie. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> totally get it. Uh, what about you, Andrew? Uh, I was going to do Ozark. Yeah, I thought watched- about doing that as well, but I haven't watched enough of it yet to really talk about it. I so. watched all of it besides the very last episode. Okay, but uh, I'm not going to do Ozark. I'm going to do something else that's local based, though, even more local, an HBO documentary called mommy dead and dearest yeah i've heard a lot about this so it takes it's a it's an hbo documentary that takes place in springfield where we all live um have either of you heard of uh, gypsy blanchard the story that happened a couple years only ago? through only because i know of this this oh, movie okay. so i'm not gonna i'm gonna be very sparing with this because it is so fascinating mm. that i don't want to give anything away but uh it's Pretty much the most shocking story of Munchausen by proxy story mm. that I've ever heard. And the fact that, it, you know, a lot of stories like, oh, it takes place around us. Um, it could take place, you know, this takes place in Springfield. Yeah. Did and you feel like you knew from being here, like a lot of... I know some of the people in this documentary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, snap. So It's going to be a weird experience. I yeah. swear. Um, uh, I think you could best describe it by mixing... You guys saw the Jinx? Yes. Mix the Jinx with the medical twist. And so it it's, got, it's, it's got like kind of that real world uh, solve the mystery kind of thing that, um, that Netflix has done before yeah. with... Um, Kind of, except okay. uh, the, the mystery is uh, presented to you at the very beginning, but the more details that are presented to you as as it goes on, you're like, oh, wait a minute. Now I'm understanding why such and such did this or such and such happened. And you don't really know who 
it plays with your mind on what a victim is. Mm. Oh, it's fascinating. Is it, is it out or is it it's still out, yeah. happening? Okay. I just yeah. uh, got it, some HBO Go installed, so yeah. I'm, uh, oh, let's it's check called it out. Mommy just in dead. time for Game of Thrones. Yep. <laughs> Mommy Dead and Dearest. Well, we did it, guys. Yeah. That's a podcast. Woo. 102. Podcast number 100 in the books. Thanks for joining us for Sif Pop today. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other live and later shows on the network by following the feed at Mixler.com slash Studio DNA. That's M-I-X-L-R dot com slash Studio DNA. Huge thanks again to today's guru. It's Jesus from Jesus Take the Real. I mean, Devon, Jesus Take the Real. Jesus. Well, is, Jesus I mean, it's a nickname, right? Well, it's 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 like a, a conundrum. Like, name. yeah, it's a stage name. Is okay. what I is a what pseudonym. I call it. Yeah, I do use it as a stage name. I even perform stand up under Jesus now. Ooh. But uh, yeah, uh, thank you so much. You guys know I love coming on the show. Yeah. What do you got to let people know about? Oh, I'm working on a bunch of stuff. Uh, of course, check out Jesus Take the Real. That's my uh, podcast. It's a little late night talk show of sorts we uh talk movies we play games tell stories they've both been on so make sure you guys go check those episodes out um but i'm also uh i write articles for geeksandgamers.com now where you can see some reviews and think piece stuff and then i just launched my personal website desus.org where you can find uh i have a blog where i'm doing like movie pitches think pieces uh, you can find all my reviews all my stand-up podcast everything well we love having you on Devon. Thank you so, so thanks for, thanks for taking the time to stop by also much love and gratitude to our patreon supporters for giving monthly to make this show and others on the network possible support starts at three bucks a month comes with some pretty fun perks you can find out more at patreon.com slash studio dna Lots of ways to connect with the podcast. Uh, you can leave comments at SoundCloud. You can tweet at us, uh, comments at iTunes, or you can email us any feedback at feedback at sifpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like the show, too, so let them know about it and that listening is much easier than bungee jumping with a garden hose. Spoiler chat for this week's movie should be next up in your podcast feed, and we will see you back next week for Andrew's most anticipated movie of the ah. year, The Dark Tower. <laughs> ah. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.